shining a light on podcasts and videos that have caught our attention. The Spotlight with Jen Spiker. Weekdays on Vision and on demand in the free Vision Christian Media app. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Great to have you with us. It's the Monday edition of 2020 and we are back onto a very important topic today, talking through the issue of marriage in Australia and to get something of a snapshot of where we're at in the marriage debate and some are calling it the battle for marriage given that there is an attempt to dismantle what we know as marriage between one man and one woman in Australia. Uh, We've got two special guests joining us through the hour. Lyle Shelton is the Managing Director of the Australian Christian Lobby. We're also going to meet the coordinator of the National Marriage Coalition. His name is Gerard Callal-Hanna. Let's uh, just meet these two gentlemen. Hello, Lyle Shelton. Welcome back to 2020. Yeah, thanks a lot, Neil. It's good to be with you again. And Lyle, uh, not sure how well you know Gerard Callal-Hanna, but Gerard's joining us too. Hello, Gerard. Welcome to 2020. Hi, Neil. It's great to be invited, and thanks for having me along. Uh, um, do you know each other? Uh, we we have met once or twice, Neil. Yeah, I wouldn't wouldn't say I know Jared well, but um, but I have have we've had the uh, uh, the pleasure of meeting at a, at a couple of different events around the traps. Well, certainly, just a, a great to have the two of you as part of 2020 today, as we look at something of a snapshot when it comes to marriage. Uh, in our past hour, we spoke with Mandy Warby and uh, with some. Uh, connections there to the heritage of marriage that goes right back into biblical times and uh, a really tremendous conversation and uh, certainly a grounding for people who have a biblical Christian faith uh, to understand the importance of the relationship between God and people when it comes to the institution of marriage. But I'd love to start with a snapshot overview of where marriage is like today. And Lyle Shelton from Australian Christian Lobby, you have got your finger on the pulse. Uh, What's happening with marriage in our Australian society today? Well, uh, in in Australian society, sadly, since the 1960s and and 70s, uh, particularly uh, with the sexual revolution, we've seen uh, marriage become uh, more and more devalued, unfortunately. And uh, in uh, the mid-70s, when uh, no-fault divorce uh, was introduced, uh, where people could just get out of a marriage uh, for for any reason, whether there was abuse or not, um, that uh, saw the divorce rates go through the roof and and almost get as high as 50%. Uh, Thankfully, in recent years, that's come back a little, uh, but we still have very high divorce rates. And, of course, children have been uh, the ones to primarily suffer as a result of that. And uh, we really are at the stage now where we need to rebuild a marriage culture in this nation. And it was great to even see secular commentators starting to realise this, uh, including Bettina Arndt in the Weekend Australian at the weekend, saying that um, this idea of these modern families and, and love is all you need, uh, despite the dysfunction, is, is really a crazy idea and we need to get back to marriage. Interesting when you talk about rebuilding marriage culture because it does appear that while there had been a decline in the real meaning of marriage, 
uh, when the heat is on and when there's pressure that's coming from the same-sex lobby to dismantle the definition of marriage as we have it today, it has certainly spurred people to a, a new look at what marriage means. And to uh, talk to Gerard Khalil-Hanna uh, from mm-hmm. the National Marriage Coalition, Gerard, uh, this is the sort of thing that you guys have been working on for a long time, uh, the ways that you strengthen marriage. Has this whole debate about marriage, the, the challenges, the battle that's going on, has it actually raised the profile of what people are thinking about marriage today? I think it has, but I, I think uh, what's happened is that, and, and I'd like Lyle's view on this too, um, in terms of this particular debate, uh, I think the issue of marriage is is hard to actually get out there. Lyle's um, refer to the article by Bettina Art. There are others who are saying, who are trying to get a voice out and saying, well, yes, this is important, we need to do something about it. But to some extent, it's, um, it's, it's fast becoming not politically correct, at least in the journalistic elite circles, to, uh, to at least acknowledge this. Because if they acknowledge this, then they have to acknowledge that their premise for changing the definition of marriage is wrong. Um, but uh, we have found that, um, I mean, the work that was done up until 2007 continues and the reason why the National Marriage Coalition was founded not just for the protection of marriage but also to actually address some of these problems um, uh, and, and uh, they, they can be summarised basically as, as, um, as bringing men and women together to this definition here in the marriage manifesto that we've got to help men and women achieve a caring, collaborative and committed bond with strong foundations of mutual respect between the spouses, and also to help reduce divorce and unmarried childbearing so that each year more children will grow up in the security of a stable and functional two-parent home. Now, these things sound basic, but they actually have been ripped apart for reasons that Lyle has gone into. And um, there has been an attempt, and we're trying to address these, but um, this... uh, attack on marriage has come from another angle from those who want to redefine it. So we have to fight that as well too because, I mean, if we if we don't, well, we, what premise are we going to argue to actually strengthen marriage per se because of its functional and fundamental purpose in society of bringing husband and wife together in law and society for the sake and the orientation towards their children and providing them with that um, basic bedrock institution of society, recognised in society for raising them until they're a they're at an age in which they can, can manage themselves. Let's hear from Lyle. Uh, first of all, Lyle, uh, on Gerard's comments about just how difficult it is uh, for even uh, a slight little bit of depth into the marriage debate in many arms of the secular media because there is a certain political correctness which seems to hinder anyone talking about the issue with any depth. That, that's exactly right, uh, Neil. There, there's even um, a hostility sometimes when you try and suggest in the media that marriage is the gold standard. It's something that should be um, pref- preferred in public policy. Um, that, that's how, how far we've slipped, I guess, in this whole debate. But uh, as I mentioned, you know, some secular commentators like Bettina Arndt uh, as recently as the weekend are starting to realise, hang on, the research is showing that uh, at the breakdown of a marriage culture is really hurting kids. And um, she was actually quite critical of uh, the popular television show Offspring, which celebrates um, dysfunctional families and suggests that all, all you need is love. Um, says, well, well that, that might be entertaining television, but it's a long way from reality because the dysfunction 
in our society is actually um, causing adverse outcomes for children. Now that doesn't mean that um, people who are raising children uh, in a you know single parent um, household are doing a bad job or anything like that. But uh, uh, and and I think you know we all know that. Um, that no one who finds themselves having to parent alone uh, thinks that that's the optimal uh, solution. I think uh, you know everyone wants to be parenting with uh, the, the the partner uh, uh, of their biological children and, and not to be alone. But uh, so so I'm not wanting to be critical or, or judgmental. But uh, we we are seeing more and more from the research that this um, isn't providing um, you know, an optimal. Uh, opportunity for children that it is better if they they can be together it's it's a quicker pathway to poverty for children and um, what we are seeing is that um, is that uh, in terms of marriage versus cohabitating uh, women uh, who are professional who have been uh, uh, had, a, had an education a tertiary education that is attending to get married in their in their 30s but uh, the ones who are really suffering from the, the, the trashing of marriage culture and perhaps go into cohabitation arrangements are really often women from a, a poor, poorer or lower socioeconomic um, background or demographic. And uh, they're the ones who are really finding themselves often alone with children uh, and in difficult situations and more at risk of uh, poverty and other adverse outcomes. And this is now starting to be recognised uh, by people who are actually looking at the research, which has been around for a while. Lyle, let me ask you, while we're getting an update, uh, a snapshot of what marriage, uh, the state of marriage and the marriage debate is in Australia, just last week uh, you were defending uh, the idea that foreign marriages of same-sex couples could be married uh, could be recognised in Australia, or, uh, or uh, defending a uh, a marriage position between a man and a woman, so uh, rejecting that idea. Uh, how has that uh, inquiry unfolded? I mean, there's no uh, there's no findings from that inquiry yet, but you made a presentation last week. Y- yes. Um Yes, I did, uh, and, and some representatives from uh, Jared's organisation did as well, mm. as well mm. as some uh, people from church denominations, which was terrific. Mm. Um, so this is a, a bill which has been put forward in the Senate by uh, the Greens, by Senator Sa- Sarah Hanson-Young, the uh, Green Senator from South Australia. And uh, her bill is aimed at recognising uh, same-sex marriages which have been conducted overseas. And there's about uh, 13 or so countries out of 196 which have changed the definition of marriage in law. So mm. she thinks that um, if people are coming in from uh, another country where they're allowed to be married in a same-sex arrangement, Australia should recognise that. Now, this is just you know clearly a transparent uh, attempt to... Um, to uh, put pressure on the Australian Parliament to also uh, change the law. And uh, Senator Hanson-Young was quite open about admitting that was the real agenda. So she put that right Mm -hmm. out in the open at the hearing uh, last Thursday in Melbourne. Mm -hmm. So we've very much um, uh, argued from the point of view, hang on, this is just a backdoor attempt to to legalise gay marriage in Australia. That's Mm -hmm. bad for children because it means you're denying a child a mother and a father. And it's Mm -hmm. also bad for freedom. And um, unfortunately, all day, the... uh, Witnesses from the, the same-sex lobby, uh, some of the lawyers um, from human rights law firms that were supporting uh, same-sex marriage were, were putting forward um, something which really wasn't true, and that is that there's no 
impact on freedom uh, and religious freedom oh. in particular. And we're able to demonstrate oh. very clearly uh, mm-hmm. from the emerging jurisprudence we're seeing from uh, some of the states in America which have changed the definition of marriage in particular that this is um, really affecting Christian businesses, Christian florists, um, photographers, wedding cake manufacturers who have all suffered quite severe legal sanction. Um, the florist uh, Baron L. Stutzman in, in uh, Washington State is being sued by the Attorney General of the state uh, because she declined very politely to um, provide flowers to a, a same-sex wedding. She's mm-hmm. being sued by the American Council for Civil Liberties, uh, the American Civil Liberties Union, I should say, as well as by uh, the same-sex couple themselves. So this is quite an aggressive attempt to um, to actually coerce people into falling in line uh, with same-sex marriage ideology. And uh, we're able to demonstrate that at the inquiry and, and make a nonsense of these claims that there's no consequences. Gerard, Carla Hanna from the mm-hmm. National Marriage Coalition, uh, mm-hmm. I can hear you're very interested in those issues where freedom yeah. is under attack. What are your thoughts? Uh, I think exactly, exactly what Lyle has said. There's also uh, there's been a couple of cases uh, as well. I mean, they're, they're coming out all the time. In Oregon, um, there's a, a case where uh, a um, a cake maker wouldn't provide it. I mean, Oregon, not Oregon, sorry, uh, Colorado, Colorado, yeah, Colorado. Um, and there's not even the law's not even in place there um, for them to uh, require their. Uh, um, uh, country or their, their state rather to to legislate for for homosexual marriage. Yet uh, a, a couple so called went to this fellow and asked him to make a cake for them, and he wouldn't. And in fact, even though that's not law of the uh, not not the law of the state, he was uh, heavily come down upon uh, to to also, to not only provide it but to undergo like counselling and. Uh, and 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 uh, have it monitored every every few years as to how well he's complying with anti-discrimination legislation and provisions. There's something similar, I think. Um, there's a case that's breaking at the moment in in New York State where something similar is happening as well. So um, the the point is that uh, if you change, if a state or a legal jurisdiction changes its marriage laws, then it's what you've got then is a direct creation of marriage by the state. You've, you actually had a pre-state institution that the state would recognise and nurture and support. Now you have a suppression of that and a replacement by that with a completely different entity. And the consequence of that is that the, the state must then protect its creation by strengthening uh, anti-discrimination laws and actually doing what we are seeing uh, has just been described. It must follow as a consequence. Uh, it is. It is just ludicrous to say that it's. It's. It's not going to happen. It, it has to happen. Neil. Neil. Just on that point, um, we're able to table at the uh, hearing on Thursday a letter from the um, ACT Attorney General Simon Corbell, which uh, said exactly what Jared's just saying there. Uh, we'd written to him. Last year when the ACT was legislating, uh, your listeners might remember that the ACT changed its marriage laws briefly before it was overturned by the High Court. And uh, during that time, the ACT Attorney-General said that um, 
that uh, Christian businesses uh, who, who decline to provide services to same-sex weddings would be in breach of the ACT's anti-discrimination legislation. Now, all of the states around Australia have anti-discrimination legislation, and, and what this t is telling us that if the definition of marriage is changed in law, um, straight away it sets up huge vulnerabilities for, for people who, who decline to, you know, for reasons of conscience, decline to participate in same-sex marriages. Uh, it sets up legal vulnerabilities for them where they will, will fall foul of um, state anti-discrimination legislation. So uh, there's huge consequences that flow from this to people's freedom of conscience and freedom of religion. And as you say, Lyle, there was a bill to recognise foreign same-sex marriages uh, that was defeated in the Senate just last year, and there's been 11 attempts uh, in states or territories to legislate a new definition of marriage. Uh, we'll come back and we'll talk some more in just a few moments about the creeping agenda that's happening when it comes to this whole marriage issue. Lyle Shelton, the Managing Director of the Australian Christian Lobby, and Gerard Callil Hanna, who's the coordinator of the National Marriage Coalition, our guests. We're getting a snapshot of what marriage, the state of marriage, is in Australia. We'll continue our conversation in just a few moments. It's Neil Johnson with you on this Monday edition of 20. 20 and a snapshot of marriage because there's new developments happening almost every week when it comes to marriage, the attack on marriage, the idea of dismantling what we see as a definition of marriage between one man and one woman in a lifelong union for the benefit of children. Lyle Shelton, the Managing Director of the Australian Christian Lobby, is with us. Uh, also, Gerard Callil Hanna, who's the coordinator of the National Marriage Coalition, also with us. Uh, I'd like to pick up on uh, this idea uh, of the creeping agenda of the uh, same-sex marriage lobby. Uh, the idea of marriage equality is, which, uh, is what they call themselves the same-sex marriage lobby, uh, with this creeping agenda, uh, Lyle Shelton, it, it is, uh, it's a little bit scary because it seems to be steamrolling its way through into our culture without legislation. Yes, um, it does very much, Neil. Um, unfortunately, you know, a lot of people think that this is somehow inevitable because they see programs like a Modern Family, which glamorise, you know, same-sex uh, marriage and parenting, uh, they they see it talked about in the media always in very very positive terms, and uh, that becomes very wearing and fatiguing of people. But um, I'd have to say, Neil, this is um, this battle is is far from lost in the political realm, and uh, there's uh, by um, uh, there's an overwhelming majority of. Uh, parliamentarians uh, in the federal parliament uh, who support retaining marriage between a man and a woman. And uh, as long as we continue to speak up and continue to make our local members of parliament aware that there's a strong body of support out there, um, I think there's every chance we can uh, keep this issue held and, and keep uh, marriage between a man and a woman. Politics is a very fickle thing. It goes in cycles. People might remember issues like the Republican issue some years ago, and, and I'm not making a judgment call on which way people should stand on that issue, but uh, at one stage it was seen as inevitable and yet the referendum was lost and the thing has been off the agenda for uh, for more than a decade. Now I think uh, this issue may well uh, go the same way but it will depend on us uh, speaking up and uh, Neil I'm happy to say that um, in the lead up to this Senate inquiry into recognising overseas foreign marriages um, 
that uh, 42,000 people signed a, uh, a submission which, uh, which we organised a form submission which we were able to present to that Senate inquiry and uh, that's a, a terrific effort by grassroots people all over the country who, who are very uh, keen to have their voice heard on it and uh, so I think as long as we keep speaking up, we live in a democracy, I think there's every chance we can see this held. We'll come back to talking about how we speak up and how important it is not to get fatigued when it comes to this issue but, uh, but Gerard, your thoughts on this creeping agenda, uh, what are, your, uh, what are your ideas about what's happening with the creeping agenda for the same-sex marriage in Australia? Well, I think in terms of the, uh, the liberal intelligentsia, you might say the, the elites in, the, in journalism and those that would dominate social discourse, um, their minds have been firmly made up. They think that this is a bright moral choice to make and that um, you can't possibly have an opposing view. It's just irrelevant. You actually get even comments on blogs, and I might want to weigh in on this, that just declare that there is no opposing debate. You know, that the matters should it's over, it's settled. Why don't we just do this? Um, now, I noticed uh, when I was looking at this matter, even far back as you know, nine, twenty, ten, just uh, I was wasn't just looking at the op-ed pieces in the in the press. I was looking at the the, the content and the body of the paper. You know, the National Affairs in Australia, or you know, the, 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 not just the opinion pieces, but the actual journalistic pieces that occur um, from the reporters, from the stable. And, and they were already adopting the, uh, the language of those who were wanting to, to make the change. They were insisting upon it. They were assuming its principles. Uh, and I thought that wasn't a very good sign. Um, and they roll out these various polls that suggest that there's an overwhelming majority of support which, I mean, in the, in the recent case, I've actually done some research on the evidence available and found that it's not as great as they say. Um, but I also noticed that whenever this issue has come the, the, before, there's actually been serious, like, uh, electoral work done on it. Uh, and that came through in the end of 2010 when Adam Bant passed his motion through the uh, legislative... Uh, sorry, the, um, the lower house... And um, uh, there was a nine-month period for for members to go and canvass their uh, constituents about what um, th- there should be a, a change to the marriage law or what they think of it. Um, of the 30, um, 30 MPs that reported back nine months later, so it was an enormous amount of time to actually garner this information, 20 of them, that is two-thirds of them, came back and said, no, our electorates are against this. Um, there was also the last election when Kevin Rudd made an election uh, issue and it was arguably voted down. There's one... Um, now, if all of this polling was supposed to be accurate and giving us a litmus test of where we are, then you would find this reflected in in, in, in such um, concrete electoral exercises. And, and to date, it has not been. But the mere fact of the matter is, irrespective of whether there's a... Um, a consensus in the public or not. Uh, it's bad policy to change the Marriage Act and the marriage laws. It's, it's, it's detrimental to marriage and harmful to society. And it, in fact, what it actually does is it overthrows marriage. And marriage, in its essence, exists to bring a man and a woman together. I'm quoting from Ryan Anderson here. As husband and wife to be father and mother to any children the union produces. Let's uh, let's keep a, a focus on some of those polls you're talking about, and I know that uh, both of you gentlemen have had concerns about 
the recent Crosby texter poll and also news polls and mm. uh, and concerns about the credibility of those polls given some of mm. the questions that were framed in mm-hmm. what appeared to be quite a biased way. Uh, Lyle mm. Shelton, uh, your concerns about some of the polling? Oh, yeah, the, the recent uh, Crosby texter poll... Neil um, basically asked people the question, I won't have the wording exactly right here, but they they asked people uh, in terms of uh, knowing that same-sex marriage doesn't affect anyone other than the the couple, you know, do you support it? Well, (laughs) of course it affects uh, way more than just the the couple involved. As as Jared and I outlined earlier, this has huge implications for religious freedom, uh, and it also affects children. Um, It affects uh, children who will uh, have the idea that... Uh, a child, wherever possible, should have its biological mother and father, that idea becomes abolished by same-sex marriage. Mm. Uh, so I think if we asked people um, honestly, you know, um, uh, do you support people being coerced into doing same-sex weddings and providing services to them, I think most Australians would say, no, we don't want to see people going to jail uh, because they believe marriage is between a man and a woman. Uh, we know that other polling says, and um, this is work done by the Ambrose Centre in uh, Sydney a few years ago, uh, they asked people, do you believe a child should, wherever possible, have a mum and a dad? 73% said yes. So uh, as as I was able to tell the Senate inquiry on Thursday, uh, we simply can't have it both ways. We can't tell some pollsters we support gay marriage, uh, but then on the other hand support a child having a mum and a dad. So the research we're seeing is very biased. Um, it's not honest polling. And um, we need to have a more mature and a more nuanced debate about this as a society before we go headlong into into changing the legal definition. There are, of course, uh, many grey areas when it comes to all sorts of polling, as we've seen in political polls. And politicians will always tell you there's only one poll that counts, and that's on election day, uh, because questions can be uh, misinterpreted, they can be biased, they can be prejudiced, and uh, they can look quite normal uh, and uh, and it uh, could be. Uh, construed as being a good question, but in hindsight and uh, with some uh, little uh, deeper thinking about a question, it can be really quite uh, obscure or, in fact, misleading. Uh, misleading questions in polls, something you're concerned about, Gerard? Yes, I am, uh, very much. Uh, I um, had the benefit of actually doing a marketing commerce, uh, commerce degree many years ago and majoring in marketing, and one of the units we studied was this very thing of marketing research. So I have some sort of technical background. There's a lot of thinking that goes into this. Uh, there's a lot of consideration about uh, design of questions to elicit particular responses and 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 what to avoid and what not to uh, and, and what to uh, what to actually stress and how to actually garner information uh, uh, accurately. I was uh, one, one of the things to do that leads on from the Crosby Texter poll, and one of the things that I think came out to its detriment. I noticed, I don't think, Lyle, I wasn't there, but I know the transcript of the uh, uh, the hearings has just been released. But um, I'm just wondering whether they mentioned the news poll as well. Did they mention the news poll? Oh, look, I can't remember, Jared. Um, yeah, okay. I, I was certainly raising the um, the Crosby text one because it was such a clangor in terms of uh, how misleading it was. Well, the Crosby text, the poll was released, I think, on the Tuesday, the 14th of July or the 15th of July. Then the news poll came out a day later, and that was purporting to show that, you know, it was all over and um, and the, the same uh, the same kind of result came. But I looked at that, and the print edition had a had the full question. Um, firstly, the the news poll actually undermined the Crosby text poll. 
because the Cosby text of poll was saying that strongly support was about 48%, whereas the uh, news poll was saying it was actually 39%. Uh, Crosby Texter was claiming that his uh, or their polling was three plus or minus three percent at error rate, but this was dropping down nine percent uh, in their key category. Now the other thing that came out from that was so that that I mean the news poll had a larger survey sample as well. The other thing that I I, I drew from that was I looked closely at the news poll question. The news poll had already anticipated a neither vote. They had like a, a, a binary vote. They had a yes, no or neither category. And they actually had anticipated a neither category because in their published question, the print edition, they anticipated if neither, then if you were pushed to make a decision, what would you decide? So people already made up their minds as to yes, no or neither. But then they were asked again on the spot to, to make a judgment decision. So that's not fair. That's actually, that's actually um, putting them on the spot and that's not reflecting a considered response. Well, but the point, it, was, sure. the point was that news poll were, were ready for it. They knew, they must have known that there's a substantial body of people who are, who are either not really apprised of the issue or don't know or, or would answer that in either category. So Newspile undermined, not only undermined Cosby Textor, but it undermined itself as well. Okay, lots of uh, controversy there when it comes to the way polling is done. And uh, you'd have to say that uh, both uh, Crosby Texter and Newspoll, uh, their credibility may well be on the line if they are not framing questions that are, in fact, bringing a, a response that could be a truthful response to respondees. Uh, our two guests this hour, Lyle Shelton, the Managing Director of the Australian Christian Lobby, and Gerard Callal Hanna, who's the coordinator of the National Marriage Coalition. We are getting a snapshot of where we are at with the battle for marriage, the definition of marriage as it stands at the present time, one man and one woman in a lifelong relationship for the benefit of children. We'll come back and we'll continue our conversation in just a few moments here on 2020. Wherever you might be listening right around Australia, great to have you along with us on 2020. It's Neil Johnson in the hot seat with you on 2020 today. Our two special guests talking through one of the most important issues you're likely to hear about. We're talking marriage today. Lyle Shelton, the Managing Director of the Australian Christian Lobby, is with us. Uh, also, Gerard Khalil Hanna, who's the coordinator of the National Marriage Coalition, is with us. Uh, gentlemen, just love to get your thoughts on the issues where people say it's not really all that important because maybe it doesn't affect me when we talk about these issues of marriage. But I know, Gerard, you're uh, inclined to put the point that if marriage changes, everybody is affected. That's right. There's a, there's a deception that's out there at the moment, to say that, you know, don't look over here, there's nothing to look at, it's no big deal, we'll just go on our way, you go on yours, and everyone's going to be happy. Well, that's not the case, because to redefine marriage in Australia or any jurisdiction, you redefine the marriage as the legal standing and the social implication and the social standing of all marriages under that jurisdiction. So if, if a marriage is redefined in Australia, it's, and it's then it's redefined for everybody who is married in Australia. It touches them directly. It also serves as a critique of what exists now, as if to say that it's been eclipsed. It's been, as one of the judges, I think, in the states in the United States said that it's condemned to the trash bin of history. Um, you know, it 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 it, um, it has both effects, and um, and people should think that and should know that they are directly affected. I mean, I'm. 
personally, I'm, I'm uh, fighting for my marriage to stay in recognised in law and society. I'm fighting for my children to have that same privilege and to be, you know, have the security of knowing that it brings mothers and fathers together. Uh, my eldest daughter, who's eight, the, uh, nine, sorry, at the age of five, seemed to have a nascent concept of this, and that really struck me that uh, it was important that mothers and fathers, you know, were were, were married and, um, and provided that that security for for their children. Let's hear from Lyle on this issue. Uh, redefining marriage redefines everybody's marriage, everybody's relationships, Lyle. Well, well, it does, uh, Neil, and it stands to reason if you change the definition of marriage to take away the gender requirement, and if the principle is equality and uh, and and love, then why can't three people or four people or groups of people all want to get married? Now, you'll, people say, well, that that sounds extreme and slippery slope. Well, the reality is there are there are countries overseas where. Uh, polygamous marriages are legally recognised. Uh, very many Muslim countries uh, have have that. Uh, there are uh, there's a strong polyamory movement in America that is also looking for legal recognition uh, of marriages. Uh, in some countries, there's even uh, child marriages are recognised in law. So this is very very serious. Where do you draw the line? And uh, uh, it, it's and um, the other point I'd make, uh, Neil, is. Um, Again, if you think they're extreme overseas examples, when Justice Kirby, the former uh, High Court judge, was asked at a 2012 parliamentary inquiry, (laughs) and there's been lots of parliamentary inquiries into this issue over the last few years, uh, he said that um, redefining marriage to to other configurations um, beyond two people is a, a, quote, step-by-step process. Uh, That's on the Hansard. It's on the, the public record. Uh, so this is not fanciful. If, if you redefine marriage now to do away with the gender requirement, um, s- sensible and well, supposedly sensible uh, and credible people like uh, Justice Kirby, a former High Court judge, see no reason why in the future you couldn't drop the numerical requirement as well. So um, I think we've got to be very, very uh, aware of all this. And um, people like to um, perhoo the slippery slope argument, but uh, the reality is. Um, it's it's very very real and uh, and we must take it into account. And of course, more and more of that evidence is coming to light, and uh, it does seem to be a little odd uh, that there's so much in the mainstream media that may be said about same-sex marriage, but very little about any of those slippery slope issues. Let me just move our conversation towards uh, the idea of well, everybody else is doing it. Why don't we? When it comes to other countries and other states around the world that might be uh, putting into their laws and uh, just our neighbours across the ditch in New Zealand who've uh, legalised same-sex marriage as one of our uh, closest uh, uh, countries that have, have done that. Uh, your thoughts, Gerard, on the idea that uh, that there are nations around the world that not just ones who are changing to allow same-sex marriage, but there are a lot of nations around the world who are actually locking in marriage firmly into their laws. That's right, and I'd ask uh, you and your listeners to try to remember the last time that was mentioned in the regular press. Um, what what do we have at the moment, as at about late July, so probably about a, as of a month ago, 16 countries have actually changed their laws to enact homosexual marriage. So that's 16. Now that's 16 out of a total of 193 UN member states. Now that works out to be about 8%. So that's 8% of all UN member states have done it. So that means 92% of 
the member states have um, do not support this and support marriage. Um, the other thing is that, uh, although they at least do not support homosexual marriage, I have to acknowledge, though, that some of them might actually support polygamy. But um, the other the other issue is the other countries who have actually gone in the other direction. And I will name those countries that have actually enshrined marriage in their constitution. And they are Slovakia, Latvia, Lithuania, Poland, Romania, Hungary, Bulgaria and Croatia. Um, and those countries uh, don't, you do not hear about this, but that's a very important movement as well. So at the same time, people are saying, oh, yes, look at the countries who have legislated for this. Well, let's see the countries who have actually legislated to protect marriage in their constitutions, not just in legislation, but their constitutions. So a whole bunch of European countries uh, actually mm. going to great lengths to strengthen the constitution locking in uh, firmly uh, laws that say marriage between one man and one woman. Uh, yeah. Lyle Shelton, your thoughts on, on, on the fact that we don't hear about these countries that are actually going to great length to, uh, to strengthen marriage rather than allow this sort of uh, slippery slope thing to move along the, cre- the creeping agenda of same-sex marriage groups. Yeah, well, Jared's explained that very well with that impressive list of countries that have uh, changed their constitution or moved legislatively to to uphold uh, marriage between a man and a woman. Uh, it just goes to show the bias in the media that every time uh, one country uh, changes its laws to support a same-sex marriage, that makes the law here in Australia uh, makes the news here in Australia. I should say it's given media prominence. I don't think uh, I can't remember the media ever writing up the fact that Slovakia or all these other countries uh, have uh, have gone the other way. So we just don't hear about it. There's a very selective reporting. We were told that uh, when New Zealand changed its law last year that hundreds of um, of uh, same-sex couples from Australia would be going over to New Zealand to, to get married. Well, you know, it's just not happened. There's only been uh, 300 or so uh, marriages since that law was changed uh, altogether. Uh, so the, the claims that we keep hearing all the time are, are overblown. Uh, they receive biased press coverage. And, of course, this contributes to this um, idea in people's minds that somehow this is inevitable. It's because we're being fed, uh, you know, and there's no other word for it. It's, it's propaganda. Uh, essentially, mm. it's not reporting. It's propaganda that we're being fed. And uh, you have to be vigilant uh, to um, unpick the um, the, uh, the spin that's, that's put on this and, and to find out where the truth lies. Uh, can, um, I, can I come in on sure. that, just that inevitability question? That's really a, 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 a propagandistic uh, device to, to, to clear opposition out of the way. Because once you start believing that it's so-called inevitable, then you're not going to put up a fight. So uh, the, the so-called polling, the claims of inevitability, th- that is in fact also, you, you know, if you want to look at the origins of historical inevitability, uh, that's a that's a Marxist uh, term, actually. That's uh, straight from the uh, um, the uh, the thinking of the uh, the communist revolutionaries um, that from the 19th and into the 20th century. Um, this whole concept of of, uh, of inevitability, and in the context of social revolution, which is in fact what it is, uh, it's not inevitable. Uh, what they would like most dearly, I think, is for people who are who are trying to defend marriage to just give up and go away. So basically, clear the clear the decks, clear the opposing opposition, and and just say right, there's no opposition now. Everyone's bowed towards this. Um, 
go and do it. So they want it to become basically a self-fulfilling prophecy. So every time we stand up and defend it, every time we say no, um, we are not complying with their uh, preferred doctrine. And, well, and, and we are making sure that it is is still defended and still there in law. We'll come back and continue our conversation in just a few moments. And uh, I'd like both of you gentlemen, Lyle Shelton, Managing Director of the Australian Christian Lobby, and Gerard Khalil-Hanna, the Coordinator of the National Marriage Coalition, uh, I'd like to ask you about whether you think our politicians are wishy-washy and gullible when it comes to uh, all of these uh, slippery slope arguments and this inevitability, this idea that maybe everybody's in favour of this and this is inevitably the way we must go. We'll talk about our politicians in just a few moments. It's Neil Johnson with you this Monday edition of 2020. Our guests this hour, Lyle Shelton, the Managing Director of the Australian Christian Lobby. Also, Gerard Callal-Hanna, who's the coordinator of the National Marriage Coalition. Uh, firstly, to you, Lyle Shelton, I mentioned uh, just before the break there the idea that our politicians may not be seeing a deeper picture and may be influenced by some of the shallow uh, mentality that is broadcast through much of the mainstream media. Are our politicians so wishy-washy? Are they gullible? Are they, uh, in fact, inclined to just sort of bend over to, uh, to this uh, same-sex lobby that wants to change everything in our society? Look, Neil, there's, there's no doubt some are, but uh, there's a great... Uh, number of MPs and senators in the federal parliament and, and uh, it's important to recognise now that since the High Court has ruled it's only the federal parliament that can uh, rule on marriage and, and that's that's a good thing. It, it means we're not going to see it at state level. Uh, but I, I find um, there's a great many MPs and senators who are very thoughtful about this. Uh, they are open to uh, persuasion, open to logic, open to hearing the debates about the impacts on uh, religious freedom. Uh, there's a great openness to that. That's uh, been quite an eye-opener for many MPs and senators as we've gone up into the parliament and, and told them about uh, some of these cases like the florist and the baker uh, and, and many, many others. Um, but uh, th there is, unfortunately, um, a strong effort by the other side, uh, and it's a war of attrition, and they're working very hard up in the parliament as well. But in spite of all that, uh, the majority of MPs in the House of Representatives and probably a majority in the Senate uh, support marriage between a man and a woman. And even the same-sex lobby, they know that they can't get this up, even in this term of the Parliament. Uh, so it's very, very secure. Uh, now, we can't take anything for granted. We need to uh, continue to speak up, um, and we need to continue to use the tools of democracy to make our case. Uh, but we are in a good position, but uh, we mustn't be complacent. We're going to have to be vigilant. We're going to have to make sure at the next federal election that we elect candidates uh, who support marriage between a man and a woman. And that's that needs to be a big focus of us all. Uh, this issue is certainly not inevitable. And uh, certainly we are in a good position if we can reframe the conversation away from uh, slogans such as marriage equality to the impacts on religious freedom, freedom of thought, freedom of conscience, and also the abolition of the rights of children children to a mum and a dad. Uh, these are the mm. issues that are at stake. And if we can uh, get those into the public arena, I'm very confident uh, the politics of this will be held for a long, long time into the future. Uh, just before we hear from Gerard, the issue of the conscience vote uh, and uh, whether the Abbott government is likely to change their position, uh, what are your uh, understandings of the latest developments, Lyle? 
the, the latest developments are that uh, the Liberal Democratic uh, Party Senator David Lionhelm uh, has said he will bring a, a, a bill into the parliament, possibly even this week. Uh, now, there's been a lot of... He's been doing a lot of posturing on this. I don't know whether it's just posturing or whether he's serious. We'll probably know in the next week or two as parliament resumes in Canberra here tomorrow. Uh, if that happens, uh, the issue may well be raised in the coalition party room and uh, there may be uh, calls from members of the coalition uh, for a conscience vote. Uh, Tony Abbott, the Prime Minister, has said if that happens, uh, he may, as Prime Minister, allow a conscience vote by Liberal and National Party um, members. Now, even if that does happen, and I hope it doesn't, because I think every political party should have a strong position, a policy position supporting marriage between a man and a woman. Uh, it's, it's so fundamental to the rights of children, etc., for all the reasons we've discussed. But even if there is a conscience vote, um, uh, I'm very, very confident, and even the same-sex lobby themselves acknowledge that they just don't have the numbers to get this through the parliament. So th that might come as a surprise to a lot of people because there's been, again, a lot of propaganda around this, uh, but the numbers are actually very much in our favour in spite of all the one-way... Mm -hmm propaganda over the last few years. So we should take heart from this. This is not inevitable. It's only inevitable if we don't speak up. Is there a sense uh, that we ought to celebrate the fact that Labor actually has a conscience vote on this and uh, hasn't got a, uh, a uh, an enforced way of voting uh, for the idea of same-sex marriage or marriage equality? Well, yes and no, Neil. Um, it's disappointing that the Labor Party abandoned its policy of supporting marriage between a man and a woman. Uh, that's That's been a terrible uh, pillar to fall for a mainstream party. Um, but uh, I guess the upside is they've, they're still allowing their members a conscience vote and there's many good people within the Labor Party uh, who will not vote uh, for a redefinition of marriage. Uh, but uh, it, it is a shame that Labor have differentiated themselves. They've certainly given the coalition uh, the upper hand with Christian and Muslim and Jewish voters as a result of them abandoning um, this as a party policy. Gerard, I was going to get your impressions there too, but we're running short of time, and I did mm. want to cover a couple of important things that mm -hmm. uh, you mentioned a little earlier. You have a mm. document called the Marriage Manifesto, and you also have another document called 21 Reasons for Marriage. Mm. How accessible are they for listeners to get a hold of? Uh, they are both available online. Um, there's a link to uh, the... Uh, I know there's an easy link to the uh, Marriage Mar Manifesto on the Salt Shakers webpage, actually. Um, and that's, uh, I couldn't tell you the uh, link off, off the top of my head. I had an article published in the in News Weekly online uh, in the 15th of March this year, and the link is at the end of that. Um, I think it was to do with same-sex marriage and analysis of consequences. So that's there. Uh, I could forward, you might even have a link yourself, I think I forwarded you that in a document that I sent you. Sure. Well, what we'll do is we'll point people... Uh, you can simply yes, Google the National Marriage Coalition. You can also yeah. go... You've mentioned the Salt Shakers yeah. website. And, yeah. of course, there are resources, too, on the Australian Christian Lobby website where you can keep abreast of the latest breaking news as it happens and get Christian and uh, and informed responses to the sorts of things that you might be seeing and hearing in the media. Uh, when it comes to keeping informed, Lyle Shelton, this is one of the keys, isn't it? If you want to be able to resist the idea of fatigue, keeping informed, being up with the debate and being able to respond when called to, uh, those are important parts of being part of the battle for marriage. 
yes, it is, Neil, and I'd encourage everyone to to be vigilant, to not be complacent with this. And uh, I know Jared's organisation has got some uh, great information. Uh, certainly people can get information from the ACL website, including a marriage fact sheet, which is a very simple one-page. I'd encourage everyone to download that. It's got some links to some, uh, if people want to dig deeper as well. So, um, yeah, please keep up with the debate. This is certainly not lost. And uh, I believe uh, we've got every opportunity to rebuild a marriage culture in our nation. This is something you've been strong on, Gerard, the Mm -hmm. idea of actually strengthening marriage. And uh, really, all of this debate, all of the threats against marriage, really it says to every individual, this is a time to strengthen, not to shrink. Exactly. That's um, exactly right. And it all goes for naught if if marriage is redefined. Um, and, and there is ground for strengthening marriages and the, the direct links to a, a healthier society. Um, also the offsetting of the problems of divorce. You think of things like that and the, the misery that accompanies that for uh, broken families with uh, uh, parents that are no longer living together or even calling themselves husband and wife and the effects on children, the effects on, on women, the, person, the persons who aren't normally the breadwinner in the in, in, in the family unit uh, is now a, a, a effectively uh, on their own two feet and um, doesn't have that, uh, that that financial and emotional security that existed before. Um, but, but, you know, the children in the case of growing up without fathers. So we, we want to actually strengthen that so we can... Gerard, I'll, I'll need to cut you short and uh, to thank the two of you, uh, Lyle Shelton, the Managing Director of the Australian Christian Lobby, and also Gerard Callal-Hannon, who is the Coordinator of the National Marriage Coalition. Uh, simply Google those names to get a hold of those websites and keep informed. Uh, to you, Lyle, and to Gerard, thanks so much for being with us on 2020. Thanks a lot, Neil. Thanks, Gerard. Yeah, thanks, So there's this program you love, but you just can't remember what time it's on. Easy. Download it. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts. Or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.